Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Liberty Hardy, and I'm little in the middle, but I've got much backlist. This is episode 12, and today I'm going to talk about a few great titles related to this week's new releases and more. Hello! Thank you, all you little ATBs, for your feedback about last week's episode. Turns out you really like little books, Uh, so I will definitely try and do that again sometime in the future because awesome. Uh, Before we get started, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. It is The Thing with Feathers by McCall Hoyle. Emily Day believes in playing it safe. She's homeschooled, and she's probably the only girl on the Outer Banks of North Carolina who can't swim. Then Emily's mom enrolls her in public school, and Emily goes from studying at home in her PJs to halls full of strangers. To make matters worse, Emily is paired with starting point guard Chatham York for a major research project on Emily Dickinson. She should be thrilled when Chatham shows interest, but she has a problem. She hasn't told anyone about her epilepsy. Will she withdraw to safety or follow a dead poet's advice and dwell in possibility? Great new YA novel just came out this week, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes, and you can purchase it wherever books are sold. Again, it's The Thing with Feathers by McCall Hoyle, out from Blink, and we thank them for sponsoring. Now, for today's books, I'm going to start with The Golden House by Salman Rushdie, which I have not read yet. Got amazing reviews. Probably going to start it as soon as I finish this recording. Uh, This is about the rise and fall of the Golden Family in New York City during the Obama administration Um, Like I said, getting great reviews. I have a confession. I've never actually read him. I know it seems weird, but he intimidates me for some reason. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to read it, I think, as soon as I'm done recording. Um, But I started thinking about other books that have house in the title, which, as you can imagine, there are a kitten ton of them. Uh, And I have a bunch that I really enjoy. So I'll start off with The Cider House Rules by John Irving. You've probably seen the movie. It's actually a really good movie. Follows the book quite closely. Um, definitely worth reading the book, though, if you've seen the movie. It's about Homer, who is an orphan in an orphanage in Maine, he, which is run by an obstetrician who takes Homer in. Uh, and Homer is the only child there who is not adopted, and he becomes the obstetrician's assistant. Um, it's it's a great novel. Lots of trigger warnings all over the place there. Um, there's a lot going on, um, so just be careful when you when you approach that one. Uh, another book with house in the title, because that's what we're talking about, is The Turner House by Angela Flournoy. It was a National Book Award shortlist and winner, finalist, whatever that part is, nominee. Um, and she's a BR favorite. It's about a family in Detroit and some literal and figurative ghosts in their home. There's also, if you want to go a little spooky, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, which is a classic uh, about four people who go to stay in Hill House. They all have different reasons for being there. One is into the occult. One is set to inherit the house. Uh, The house is spooky and does terrible things to them. There's also The House of Spirits by Isabel Allende. It's her first book and probably her most famous about three generations of a family in Chile. 
It was made into a film. Uh, so was Haunting of Hill House. I have to say, sorry if they're your favorites, but the two movies made out of these books, not so good, but still a great, great book. House of Spirits. House of the Spirits. I want to call it the House of Spirits. Um, there's also Ten Days in a Mad House by Nellie Bly. One of the early examples of undercover investigative journalism, Nellie Bly, I used to love reading about her when I was a kid. She was one of the first female reporters, and she checked herself into an asylum in New York City because she had heard about its terrible conditions, and eventually her editor had to come and get her out because she had been pretending to be um, unwell and then told them, no, I'm totally fine, and they wouldn't let her out, so they had to go, and she wrote about her time in there and the conditions and they made some changes based on on her reporting. And for my last pick, the A House Without Windows by Nadia Hashimi. It's about a group of women in Afghanistan who form a bond in jail. It's a really powerful story of women's rights and abuses of power. Um, just came out, I think, just last year. It's a great book. Uh, my next selection is The Glass Town Game by Catherine Valente. It's about the adventures of the Bronte siblings. Emily and Charlotte end up having to go rescue their brother Branwell and their sister Anne. And it's great fun and so, so imaginative. Cavalente is one of my favorite authors. So I thought I would tell you a little bit about some of her other great books. She has a ton, but these are my favorites. The first being Deathless, which is based on the Russian tale of Koshi the Deathless. Uh, I looked up how to pronounce Koshi and no one on the internet can seem to agree. So I'm just going to go with that one. Uh, But he's usually the villain of stories uh, in Russian tales. He has been for centuries, much like Baba Yaga, who is, you know, sometimes a villain, sometimes not. He's that kind of figure, and she just does this beautiful job with the the tale. There's her girl series, The Girl Who Navigated Fairyland in a Ship of Her Own Making, which is the first one. It's about a 12-year-old girl named September who lives in Omaha. She falls through into fairyland and has adventures there. Probably the most imaginative, like... When you think that people can't possibly come up with more descriptions or adjectives like everything has ever been like has been done, uh, she's just so original and incredible. There's five books in that series, I believe now. I love them. If you like short stories that are fun and original, I recommend her collections: "The Melancholy of Mecha Girl" and "The Bread We The Bread We Eat in Dreams." Two beautiful collections of great stories. Uh, she also has this amazing book called "Speak Easy." which is the tale of the 12 dancing princesses told in the Prohibition era. And if you like that story, there's another book of the 12 dancing princesses in the Prohibition era called The Girls at the Kingfisher Club by Genevieve Valentine, um, which is just another great retelling of that tale. I absolutely love it. Um, And speaking, or speakeasying, of fairy tale retellings, the Girls Made of Snow and Glass by Melissa Basherdust came out this week. It's a Snow White retelling, but with more of a feminist twist where instead of pitting the women against each other, they're more against everyone else. It's really fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I thought I'd talk a little bit about some great fairy tale retellings. Uh, my favorite Snow White retelling is probably Boy Snowbird by Helen Oyeyemi. It takes place in the 1950s in Massachusetts. A young woman runs away from her horrible father. Uh, she ends up in this small town in Massachusetts, marries um, a widowed man with a young daughter. Um, you know how the story goes. She ends up being the evil stepmother. Uh, it's so fantastic. There's also A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Mass, which I just read recently when I was on my fairy book kick. Uh, it's a retelling of Beauty and the Beast, but with fairies. 
a young girl who ends up in this palace and with an evil fairy, or is he really? Um, there's also The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee Adia, which is a retelling of 1001 Nights, which is based on Middle Eastern folktales, or in English we usually call it, call it the Arabian Nights. Um, there's another retelling of 1001 Nights that I enjoyed by E.K. Johnston called A Thousand Nights. Uh, there's also Ash by Melinda Lowe, which is a retelling of Cinderella, but in this story, Cinderella is actually a lesbian. And if you want, if you have some spare time and you want a kick, uh, go on Goodreads and look at all the pearl clutching over the fact that Cinderella is being portrayed as a lesbian in this book. Um, people need to find more things to do. Uh, and if you like, just like fairy tales in general, there's the Fairy Tale Detectives, which is the first book in the Sisters Grimm series. It's a middle grade series about fairy tale detectives. It's kind of like the Thursday Next series for beginners. And this brings me to Dealer's Choice. Uh, this week, The Salt Line by Holly Goddard-Jones came out, which is a really good book. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, it's sort of a dystopian novel set in the future. Um, do not read this book if you are at all afraid of bugs. The basic story is that these horrible ticks kind of took over the country and we were forced to retreat behind these um, metaphorical salt lines to keep them from killing us. Like, lots and lots of gross tick story stuff in here. So if you're afraid of bugs, this is not the book for you. Um, but I was thinking about one of my favorite dystopian books and my favorite, probably my favorite science fiction book in general. Um, I know a lot of people have it as their favorite. I'm sorry. But it is indeed A Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter J. Miller, which is a post-apocalyptic novel that came out in 1960. Uh, it's never been out of print. It's been out for 57 years. Never been out of print. It's told in three sections. It starts 600 years away from the 20th century after a global nuclear war. Uh, and after the nuclear war, there is a backlash against knowledge and technology. Like, people rise up saying, like, these scientists and all these brainy people came up with these nuclear weapons that ended up ruining the country. So there's they kill most everyone. It's called the simplification. And now, 600 years in the future, there's a religious order of monks founded by a man named Leibowitz. And one of the monks discovers his fallout shelter and thinks it's full of religious relics when, in fact, it's like his grocery list and some other stuff that was left there. Um, and then the second part takes place in 3174 and the third part in 3781. I don't want to give any more away, just to say that it's absolutely brilliant. The end of the first section actually had me gasping. I was like, oh, I couldn't believe that happened. It's so, so good. And another quick thing. It is the 20th anniversary of Captain Underpants by Dave Pilkey, which just seems incredible. I can't believe those books have been around that long. Um, very often found on the banned books list. And I just wanted to mention that if you are trying to build a collection for your kids, two of his books, Cat Kong and Dogzilla, are great fun. They are picture books using images and photos, like cartoons, like a mix of them, to tell these silly stories. And if you like that, there's also Dragon Puncher by James Kulchaka, which is the same thing. It, pictures and cartoons mixed together to make silly stories. Great fun for any collection. And that's it for me this week, book lovers. I'd like to thank our sponsor, The Thing With Feathers by McCall Hoyle, out from Blink. We will have a link to it in the show notes. You can also find a list of books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. If you're a fan of all the books and you want to give us a treat, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other book lovers find us. If you want to talk about books or see pictures of my books or my cats, Steinbeck and Malay, you can catch me on Twitter at Miss Liberty, 
on Litzy under Liberty and on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. I'll be back on Tuesday with my better half, Rebecca Shinsky, and all the books to tell you about the week's great new releases. Have a great weekend, kittens, and happy reading. <laughs>